Hi guys, it's me, Paula, and I pray, and I want to talk to you today about judging prophecy, and should Christians judge anything in the church? And I'm going to start out with prayer right now. Father, Lord, I come before you in the name of Jesus, and Father, I thank you for every single person on this podcast that's listening to this very important, I would I would say, mostly uh, you, Lord, um, earth-shattering, earth-shaking, spectacular that you are causing us, Lord, to look at you and the mighty God that you are. And anything that is opposite of you is mundane, normal, and it's just not you, God. So thank you, Lord, that in your word you told us who you are, and we have your spirit, the Holy Spirit in us that can judge all things. And Lord, we look to you now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come help us. You are the helper, the teacher, you're the standby man who comes alongside. You are the spirit of truth that leads and guides us into all truth. So we ask for you to come and open the eyes of our understanding. Everyone on this call, open the eyes of everyone, Father, on this podcast call that they will hear and see revelation knowledge of you, Lord. We ask for revelation knowledge now, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened by the one and only Jesus Christ, the enlightened one. There's nobody bigger than you, Lord. We honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. So the thing I want to talk about, a judging prophecy. First of all, we've got to start with a uh, flagship scripture you should memorize. is in Acts chapter 1 and 2. We find out that Jesus had told uh, his company of believers after he had uh, risen from the dead. He said in verse 5 of, of uh, Acts 1, that John baptized with water, but not many days from now, you shall be baptized with or placed and introduced into the Holy Spirit. So he said, go into Jerusalem and wait for the Father's promise. He spoke about the Father's promise. He said, I won't leave you orphans. I will come to you. This is before he was offered up at the last his last meal with them. If you look at John chapter 14, uh, 15, and 16, Jesus discusses what's going to happen, that you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, all right? So we know that John was a forerunner before Jesus came, and an outward sign of an inward repentance was the water baptisms. The baptism of water is a symbol of the cleansing. You know, water is like cleaning, cleansing, refreshing you. But John's baptism was not the baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit, but it was the baptism of water. And so what happened, John was called when he was in the womb. We know he was foreknown. Uh, Elizabeth was pregnant with John, and he was the one that went before Jesus to announce the Messiah. We know this. So we have scriptures and after scripture that teaches us this. So people came out to hear John preach, and then he said, come for repentance of sin. So water baptism is in what I call an outward sign of an inward change, really. So without the coming to repentance, repenting to the Lord, there can be no water baptism that is effective because the ordinance or the doctrines of the church are there. And this isn't my message. We know Jesus gave us the doctrines of the church in Mark chapter 16. These signs will accompany those who believe. What are the doctrines? Laying out of hands, water baptism, um, speaking with other tongues. You know, he gave those to us. He gave those to us. We know the doctrines of Jesus in the word of God. Now, 
Dear hearts, if you don't read the Bible and you don't study the Bible, these things are like Christianity 101. This is like basic Christianity. And people don't read their Bibles anymore. You know, the Word of God, I, I, Christians are illiterate, Bible illiterate. They just don't know the Word of God. And what's sad is they fall into these traps. So they don't even know that they're supposed to judge prophecy. They don't, they don't even know they can judge. So I'm here to help you. I don't want you to get caught up. So as we start with our flagship scripture, Acts chapter 2, verse 17, and it shall come to pass in her last days, God declares, I will pour out of my spirit upon all mankind and your sons and daughters. Notice, daughters shall prophesy. Reading out of Amplified Bible, telling forth divine mysteries and counsel. And your young men shall see visions, divinely granted appearances, and your old men shall dream divinely suggested dreams. Yes, and on my men servants also, and on my maid servants. In those days, I will pour out of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, telling forth divine counsels, talking about future things happening, events pertaining to God's kingdom. These are things that will happen. And he said, I will, I will show wonders in the sky. I'm not going to read all that, but you can look at it in Acts chapter 2 for yourself, starting with verse 17. Just read it. But the Acts is an important flagship. Paul himself, the great apostle Paul, to talk, speaking to the church in Corinthian, he always says, you know, I speak with tongues more than you all. Forbid not speaking in tongues. But if I were going to tell you one gift you should have, he would call that the gift of prophecy. Being able to exhort and encourage. Being able to help the church. You know, so prophecy is very important to the church if you do not prophesy, if you do not exhort, encourage. If you don't give words of exhortation or encouragement, it's important, when even when you come on, on my call, that you ask the Lord to give you a prophecy or ask the Lord to help you with those gifts. Because if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I want a word. We call that a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a discerning of spirits. Those are all Holy Spirit as he wills and he wills. But you have to ask him. I want you to use me. And Paul said, above all things, that you might prophesy. So prophecy is a legitimate gift. First Corinthians chapter 12 and 13. Read the whole counsel of the word of God, 12, 13 and 14 together and understand Paul's message there. I'm not, that's not what I'm going to do today. So let's start out with how do we judge things? Or <laughs> how do you judge someone or something? Or can you judge? The Bible says, judge not lest you be judged, right? Okay. So I'm just going to ask you a question. If you're going to make a judgment about something, uh, first of all, judge not lest you be judged is not correctly interpreted, uh, perfectly correct, because it's been misinterpreted. We must judge as Christians. Again, I'm speaking to the church. We must evaluate anything that would be false, okay? It could be a false prophecy. It could be a dream. You know, I'm always shocked by people that they don't even know the basic things about this. Like, it's so dangerous to go to a dreamer or to someone who says they are a prophet or a prophetess, and they're always giving a dream. But you know what? Their interpretations are off. There's something that doesn't line up in their own lives. There's something off. There's a different spirit there. There's confusion there. The, the dreams that they dream... You know, sometimes we just dream because we all dream and we don't remember our dreams. But there are God dreams. We just saw that your young men will dream, old men will see visions. That's women and men there. So 
it's legitimate that God speaks through dreams and visions, but that's not how we're generally to be led. We are to be led by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, they must agree. So if you're just running, 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 getting on the net, looking for someone to give you a prophecy, or running to a conference, always running this conference, well, I'm going here for this, I'm going there for that, you're going to really fall short because I'm doing this for your sake. If you're not, your nose isn't in this Bible daily and you're not reading it, you don't know what the Holy Scriptures say, you're going to get in so much trouble in the end times we're living in. You're not going to know. You're not going to be able to judge accurately. And I want you to. I love you and I don't want you to fall short. So we can judge doctrine or we can judge and evaluate a false prophecy. We're not to condemn others. Okay, so when it comes to the times of the signs of times we live in right now, you know, it's very serious because you see the debate, you see judgments and, you know, there's this old saying, Christians are not to judge. I remember one time sharing with some of my family members years ago about Jesus and and I said something about what Jesus said. They go, oh, well, we can't judge. Well, yeah, we can. We can judge. (laughs) Yes, we can, according to the word of God. Um, So... um, you have to look at when you're reading uh, scripture, Matthew 7, I'm speaking of 1 through 2, judge not lest you be judged. Jesus said this. Who was Jesus speaking to? Who was his audience? And um, is it wrong to judge someone? For example, is it wrong to judge someone their sexual preference? Is it wrong to judge someone's immorality? I'm going to ask you just a common sense, practical thing. How could you evaluate or judge someone for a job? Or how would you be able to, if you weren't allowed to judge, evaluate something? I'm just on a practical line. How would you judge someone to be your babysitter? Oh, gosh. God forbid. I'm just, right now, that thought just, yeah. How would you judge a dog sitter? How would you judge a house sitter for that or any kind of thing? How would you judge someone who's coming into your home? Okay? So, um, well, for me, if I had an application... The first thing on the list, I would say, are they a believer in Jesus Christ? I mean, if they're in name only, on paper only, it's not in their heart, it's just a game, let's play the game of Christianity, then I don't want them. Okay, if it's somebody who's truly a young Christian, and they want to know more about God, and they're seeking the Lord, and their hearts are right, that's a different story, a different story. But let's just say um, the person I'm looking for is a believer, they're honest. That's the first thing on my list, really. Are they truthful? Do they tell you the truth? Do they live in two worlds, like the mind, their mind is somewhere else and they're over here? Or are they centered on the Lord? Are they hardworking? Do they have a job? Do they have a history that they've worked? They've, they've gone to school. They've, they've shown that they have competency. Are they trustworthy? Trust is very important. Could I trust them? You know, are, are, you know, in the history, you know someone, how trustworthy are they? Well, my parents never showed up and did anything for me, so I can't trust anybody. You have a problem then. Um, how trustworthy are you? Do you believe God, that he is a father and that he loves you and that he, he, you can depend on him alone? Are you still looking to someone else? I'm looking to this prophet or I'm looking to this church or I'm looking to this man, you know, my, my man. He's going to take care of me. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. So are you looking to God? Are you competent? Um, are you dependable? Sort of, sort of like, can I depend on you? Like, if I'm in a crisis situation and I need somebody to help me, I can't depend on the person. I have to help them. They can't even help me. 
They don't even have the presence of mind to say, let me come over and do something for you and help you. So that's a problem for me. Are they kind? Are they even kind? You know, the Bible says love is not rude. That came to me on several occasions when someone was talking to me. I was looking at this person, her, and I was thinking, that's rude. That's not appropriate. Are they for you? Are they on your team? Do they pray for you? Um, do they live a principled uh, life? Or do they have a reprobate mind? You know, that's a horrific word, reprobate. Look it up. You know, in Romans chapter 1, God talks about, I will turn them over to a reprobate mind. You know, a reprobate mind? Ooh, ooh, baby. That is a wicked, depraved bad, selfish. There's nothing innerly good in there, inner goodness. It's looking as if it's hopeless. So, you know, you can't be just a line off or a hair off or just a tiny bit inaccurate or not exactly right um, when you're judging something accordingly by the humility of your heart before the Lord, making an opinion um, you know, there are letters to the church. When you read the letters to the church, okay, look at the New Testament, Galatians, Ephesians, um, Philippians, Colossians, those letters, if you don't know that, they're directed to believers, all right? Um, so you can form an opinion, you can make an evaluation under the guidelines of what two things? The Holy Spirit and the word of God must agree. Right off the bat, when someone says, I have a prophecy, is that does it agree with the word and the spirit of God? Don't, the Bible says, um, we're not to condemn others. Christ, uh, you know, people print this a lot on the media. They'll say, Christians ought not judge. And then Christians can't really get into a debate. Or Christ taught us to love everyone. Our Christians are not to pass judgment. Are these true statements? I mean, who who is Jesus speaking to? Is it wrong to judge someone's sexual preference? As I ask you, I asked you earlier. <laughs> the, you know, it's interesting in First Corinthians six to uh, six cha- chapter two through three, Paul says the Lord's um, people will judge the world. Are we not judging now? He said, "We will judge the world." It's interesting. So when you study the word of God, this is really simple. How do you make a judgment about prophecy or anything really? Number one, study the word of God. Don't be selective and pick a scripture out of context. Look at the whole counsel of the word of God. In other words, does scripture back up scripture? That's how you um, interpret it. You don't interpret it by, um, I go to this person and they tell me what it means. Yikes. I hope they're on the word of God and I hope they're full of the spirit of God. Cause if you're listening to them, yikes, you need to look at a person's life. Do they have false gifts or true gifts in your life? You don't need to be afraid of the gifts of spirit. Okay. You know, some people are afraid of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I really admire this one young man who came out of the occult um, four years ago. And he's really, you know, has like a best-selling book right now. And, and, I, and he's a young guy. He's like maybe like, I don't know, 27, 28. And I really admire him. But one thing I notice, he doesn't have a lot of um, experiential knowledge when it comes to um, the operation of the Holy Spirit. Because everything to him 
is like counterfeit because he came out of a counterfeit background. He came out of a false spirit background. So he can't really, can't throw out everything. You don't throw, throw away your whole billfold because there's some little, there's some counterfeits in there. You keep the genuine and you, you spit out the false, okay? So believers can learn to distinguish though between the true and false prophetic. And, and judging anything, whether it's a sign or a wonder. But we're going to talk about the prophetic. The first thing is Jesus warned in Matthew seven fifteen. His warning is so clear. Read it. It says, I warn, Jesus warns against false prophets. Beware, beware. So he, he's not saying they're not there. He's saying, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. That's so dangerous. I read a book some years ago, and I can't think of the title right now, but it was it was by a psychologist, and it was about uh, sheep, um, wolves, wolves and sheep, and they were. And he gave a really good analogy of people in your lives. How can you discern whether someone is really a wolf in sheep's clothing? And I came away with understanding that um, people have a certain persona or way they present themselves because they're not going to come out and say, you know, I'm going to devour you right now and take all your money. They're, they're going to work it. Just like sex traffickers, they have like a, um, a whole system. You know, I was reading this where and watching a video about it, many, many videos about actually documentaries on it. And actually there is a grooming process that goes on. And it's it's really a romance. They try to romance the young, usually young girls, and get them into the trafficking industry. But it starts out with they work with them for a long time. They find something vulnerable in them. They find a a hurt. They these young girls they post. They have phones when they're age ten, and they post things in these chat rooms, and they talk about their problems. And so they're they're looking. This wolf is looking to devour this little girl, and he comes across like a little innocent sheep. Okay. So um, the Second Corinthians 11 says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. They transform themselves into apostles of Christ. But he said, why do you marvel at that? Because Paul said Satan can, transforms himself into angel of light. So Satan's not going to come to you and say, Oh, wow, um, you know, I'm Satan and I'm going to kill you. No. Therefore, he says, Be careful. If these ministers, so-called, I say, also transform themselves into angels of light. And so we are warned about this. So there are people who have false prophecies. I'm going to quickly go here to um, little, little things you can make, take note of. Again, the first one is, does it agree with the scripture, what the person has said? Um, is the prophecy lining up with the word of God? Does it agree with scripture? Does it agree with scripture? Another thing you can find out, are the prophecies ever fulfilled? They come to pass. Not all prophecies are of God. Now, again, that may be a revelation to some people. If they're especially in a prophetic place and people are prophesying a lot and they see the gifts in operation, that's going to be a little harder for them because they're going to be one of the the club members, I call it, or the click. And so it's going to be difficult for them if they're in it uh, to come outside of it and look at it objectively. So um, not all prophecies are of God, even though they may even come to pass. Note that. Note it, even though they may come to pass. But why? Well, I have your answer. In Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5, this is what the Lord said to uh, the children of Israel. 
If there arises among you a prophet or a prophetess or a dreamer or he's saying um, one that gives you a sign or a wonder and the sign or the wonder comes to pass wherefore he spoke to you saying, let us go after them to other gods which thou hast not known and let us serve them. So He's going to lead you the wolf in sheep's clothing. He's going to start out with a great, oh, a dream or dreams. Everybody has a positive prophecy in a dream, right? And then he's going to lead you down to worship either him or take you on a road to where you're going to give up the Lord. But here's what it says. God is proving you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Says, you shall walk after the Lord your God only and fear him only and his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and cleave to him. He says, That prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God and brought you, who brought you out of the house of bondage. So he's going to bring you back into bondage. Thinking about traffickers right there who are posing as someone good and it's going to entrap these girls into a lifestyle of a nightmarish, hellish nightmare, and he's going to, these people are going to get you into bondage. So one of these things off the bat you look at is that prophecy does not bring confusion. And I would say to you, if you've received a prophecy and there's a question in your heart, uh, prophecies are to produce it, you know, fruitfulness and liberty in your life. It's to give you refreshment and it's to, um, it's to come, it's to come under faith. So in other words, uh, in second Corinthians 413, it says we have the same faith, the same spirit. Notice the same, we have the same spirit of faith. I believe, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. That is the prophecy. First of all, notice we have the same spirit of faith. So that's how you know you're in the right camp, so to speak, with the right people. Because many are brought into bondage instead of the light and deliverance. They're brought into bondage. If people are of the same spirit, the same spirit is what is important um, because there is going to be uh, not confusion or a mixture, or I call a different spirit, which is to fear. Okay, notice that someone has a prophecy for you, but it brings you into fear. Romans eight fifteen. Notice this. Notice Romans eight fifteen, um, verse uh, fifteen. Notice uh, Romans eight. For you have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear. That's where we all came out of fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. If the person is bringing you into following someone else, getting off away from God, and you're not crying out to God, Abba, Father, praise God, and the person is not leading you more, drawing closer to God and closer to Jesus, something is wrong. This is detecting a wrong heart and a wrong spirit. Check it out, guys. Check this out. God's not going to lead us back into fear. That's where we were. He's going to lead us into the Father's heart. If you're not closer to God after someone gave you their dream, and if it's so, they can't even tell you what it means, interpret it, throw it out. Just forget it. Forget it. He's wrong. She's wrong. That's not right. It brought you into bondage. You can't follow everybody's ideas. 
You can't follow that. you got to follow the word and the spirit. It has to agree. Yes, there are prophets. Yes, God places into the church the leaders. Of course he does. Of course he does. Of course he does. Of course God does. Of course God does. He brings us into the place that we are supposed to be in him. And that's an important place, guys. We have to go to that place. We have to go with the Lord to that place. So it's the anointing in us, the Holy Spirit in us, that teaches us all things, okay? So I don't want anybody to get off anywhere and get confused here, okay? So I'm going to just sum this up, um, I'll sort of finalize this right now, the last ending notes I have here regarding this, so that you can take note yourselves, um, that the Bible says the day of the Lord will come and you will have to give an account of every idle word you spoke. Matthew twelve thirty six, Any unwholesome word, Ephesians four twenty nine. David was sorrowful over the sin in his life in Psalms 51. He spoke about that. You know, some people are constantly speaking words, not just prophecies, but they're also speaking negative words, but they're also complaining too. Like in the church over controversies going on right now in our government, it sounds like a prophecy, but it ends up just being like they're talking about the problem and then they're moaning and complaining. I want to say, if you have a problem with words, God may have to shut that down in your life for a while because you're complaining and you really, another word for complaining, a complaining spirit or venting. Well, I just have to vent to get rid of these emotions. I get that, but there's a healthy way of doing that to calm down. But when you blame, that's complaining. When you're critical, you're too negative. You're severe. See, you say, well, should we judge? We, we can judge things. We have to in the church. But when we're critical, we're too ready to speak words negative. Ah, everybody's always whining and complaining. You've been on a whining, complaining person. You need to stop it now, okay? Critical is fault finding. It's always analyzing someone. Like if you work with somebody, let's say, for example, and they're always critical of your work, there's always an adversity or they're always disapproving or there's a censorship or they're always blaming. There's like a strong aggression there. <laughs> There's a trouble there. There's troublemakers there. That's a troublemaker, all right? That's usually someone who's very anxious or fearful and they're self-centered. Their mind is always set on the flesh. It's always on death. Their, their mind is never set at peace. You know, it says the mind set on the spirit is what? When you're around somebody who has a peaceful mind, they have life and peace coming out of their mouth. Don't go snooping around. People who look always looking for trouble and are critical of everything, you know, um, look at yourself because the Bible says we're to stay unspotted and uncontaminated from the world, the flesh, and the devil. We're to live pure lives. We're not to be caught up in this stuff, okay? And also, that's a pharisaical, up, uppity, high-minded, religious spirit, which tie people up with heavy loads and make them feel uh, overloaded because they know they're sinful, really. So Jesus made a comment about the Pharisees, and, and he says, not just a comment, he says, you will not even lift your finger to move their heavy load. He was very angry with them because he says to these religious people, you, you put heavy loads, you know, you judge, you're critical, and you put these heavy loads there on people, and then you won't even come and lift the load off of them to help them. So you have an elevated opinion of yourself. 
You feel superior. That's why you do that. People who are very critical and judgmental in the sense that they are religiously minded. And Paul said that um, the day of judgment is going to, there's going to come a day of judgment for Christians. And he also told us that when we do catch someone in a sin, for example, in Galatians 6, 1, and those who, I noticed he said, those who are spirit-led or spiritual should uh, bring that person back to the Lord with the spirit of meekness and humility. So it says someone is caught in a sin. All right. It doesn't go any further than that, but you have the impression that they want to come back. Paul warns, though, about pride in that sense and thinks someone, he goes, if you think you're something, you're really nothing. Basically, he just said, you think you're somebody great. You have this, uh, you know, right to do this, this judgment. You're not. Christians must judge um, an attitude or a sinful behavior because in 1 Corinthians 5, it says, don't associate with anyone who is sexually immoral. Now, that's pretty straightforward. We're not, you know, we're, we're judging uh, someone who is a fraud, is a sheep, who is a, 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 a wolf, really, in sheep's clothing because they're in amongst you, he said. And they, they want to sit down and get come to your left feast, but they're sinful. So, you know, we're to expel, he said, that wicked one and judge and discipline them for the sake of their soul that they will come uh, to the Lord, back to the Lord. See, so with the spirit of meekness, it doesn't say we can't judge within the group. So, um, so Jesus warned in John seven twenty four, stop judging on appearance, outward appearance. Stop judging people that way. Here, here's what he was saying. If you're going to judge, judge correctly and properly, but you have a double standard. In uh, Matthew seven, he talks about this. Um, the double standard, in other words, judge you judge others for their sin, but you're even more guilty of that sin. So what he's saying, you're pointing, you're pointing the finger, and they do have a speck in their eye. They are, there is something in their eye, a speck. You know how tiny a speck is? Come on. And you have a plank. I mean, I think of a plank like this big log in your eye. So it's blocking you from seeing it. You're not humble-minded at all. You're selfish, really, and you're not helping anyone. So you'll find the fault for sure, and you'll speak about it, correct? You know, like, oh, no, blah, 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 right? But do you know, do you know the human heart totally? Are you, uh, last time I looked, are we omnipresent? Are we omniscient? Are we all-knowing? I mean, do we really know? Are we God? So here's how you're to pray. You're to say, Lord, I want you to expose that sin in this situation, in the government, in the heart of the person, especially right now. We have so much trouble and wickedness in our nation through this coup and through this overthrow of Donald Trump, which is unbelievable. We need to pray that there is an exposure there of the heart because God knows the experiences they're going through. He knows the conversations they've had. He knows the lies that are going on. And he gives his children, his true children, his, his saints, the ones who love him, insight into this. So those who have repented and come back to the Lord, as in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, there was a man who was caught in sexual sin. And then in 2 Corinthians, he repented. And, and Paul says, you know, restore that one, bring him back. So... We have clear moral guidelines from the Word of God. Um, 
we have the Word of God that teaches us also. The, the Word of God is very clear, but is there grace here? What I mean by that is that sometimes, you know, if you're a leader, for example, and you have very high faith or strong faith in an area, for example, in the Bible, they had issues with food sacrifice to idols. It offended some people because they thought that it was contaminated. Well, let's just put it in real terms. Let's say you, you feel very strongly about something about food, for example, and you won't eat certain food. Well, actually, the Bible does say you are weaker in faith. I just want to note that. Sorry. But you need to be careful. You don't go around criticizing people and judge them for what they eat, or what they don't eat for that matter. You're not in that position to do that. I don't care who you are. There are some in in Romans chapter, I believe it's 14, that are weaker in faith. For example, let's make that real. Like for example, let's say somebody right now um, doesn't believe that they should even kiss. I'm just, there's somebody out there young and and they are are told, you know, it's, it's not even really a good idea to kiss on a date because it could lead to sexual sin. And it's possible. That is possible. So in their their belief system, and I, I know people like this, they don't think they should really um, be alone with that person until they're going to be seriously involved as far as engaged and get married. I don't think that's a wrong thing in today's world. I think it's amazing to practice abstinence, for example. I think that's incredible. And I think that God is going to honor that many, many times where we're wondering we're wondering what's going to happen in we're wondering what's going to happen you know in our world with all the sexual sin and promiscuity that's going on that uh trafficking of kids and children and and what's happening right now is so pathetic that we wonder is there anyone who's going to hold out for the good so you know once you come to Christ I'm sorry about that interruption there was an interruption on my phone as <laughs> we have a new puppy so my husband just came and got him from me sorry about that I apologize forgive me have grace here grace 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 so um you know you're just wondering about looking at the end times like what's going to happen to these kids um, and so we have to believe God, this generation is being raised up. I am very positive that, that God is raising up a generation of powerful young people, that young, young people that are going to be preaching the gospel, sharing the Lord. Now they are prophesying, walking into their ministries early, earlier than we've ever seen before, taking over what we didn't do, what we were supposed to have done and, and finishing the course that should be finished before the return of the Lord. I'm really hopeful for that. And uh, for, so anyways, back to what you feel is wrong, then you should practice that. But when you try to put that upon someone else, it can cause confusion in their lives and something you believe very strongly about. I've seen it over the years. I've been in this many, many years. I, I've seen people, um, you know, told that they couldn't do something and they didn't have a strong conviction about it you know, and then what happened was they just did it religiously, but it wasn't in their heart. They really weren't seeking the Lord and they followed it. And later they fell into sin. Isn't that interesting? Like they just felt it was a religious imposition or it was imposed upon them when they just went along with it, but it really wasn't part of what they believed. And then later they fell away and then they were very critical you know, of everyone. So be very careful when you're teaching someone the word of God that you just tell them, this is what God's word, word says, and this is what you should follow. And there are consequences to our actions. Like if you practice something and you feel strongly about it, 
I'm not saying it's it's written in the Word of God. It's something you feel strongly about. You have a right to you to practice that. But when you go in, I'm going to give a stronger example and close with this. When you go in and try, for example, to make it a doctrine, that's what I'm trying to say. I couldn't find the word doctrine. For example, I've seen, um, here. here's an illustration. I've seen people have an experience with the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's legitimate. And God told them to do something. And they did it. But what was strange was they came back and told everyone else they could do this as well. I didn't agree with that because I don't see that in the Bible. However, I do see that God did that in this person's life. But they were trying to make it a doctrine for everyone. It wasn't chapter and verse. It wasn't like, and it brought, it. what it did was it got people over into looking to that leader and that man, but they were not able to grasp it because it wasn't it wasn't in them it wasn't something i have i have a really dangerous signal there that these young people that are following this person is going to fall away from god because they don't have the foundation laid in the word of god if i told you go show up at this place because god's showing up there then you might go there okay but your eyes are on the lord to receive from him it's not going to be on that place well if i go there and they pour this on me or this guy is well known for that you're trying to what you're doing is you're going around god and you're saying god i have this little idol right here you stay right there god and i'm going to work you and tell you how you're supposed to you know, tell me, manifest to me, or prophesy to me, or whatever. You you don't have that right to do that. You should say, God, I'm seeking you alone. I'm seeking you alone. And then, Father, with you, lead me and show me where I'm to go. Then he will, because he loves you, and he places in his church leaders and, and people to help you, teach you the word of God. That's different. Your heart is sold out to the Lord. You're not seeking men. Now we have a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to judge people on outward appearances. We have a tendency to look at how large something is and then we like it. We have a tendency to say, well, I'll be part of this if this. You don't, you don't really have that. You don't have a clear vision of God yet because he yet, I say you will in Jesus name. But you don't understand how he operates. So back to prophecy. I'm going to close this. (laughs) Back to prophecy. Correctly judging prophecy by the word and the spirit. Looking at it in the word of God in context. Not just picking out a scripture. The whole counsel of the word of God. The scripture um, interprets itself. Okay, The scripture will interpret itself if you will dig around in the word of God and ask the Lord. And we got to be careful with our words and what we're saying that there are uh, situations we judge within the church and outside the church, but we are also doing that within the church with a humble heart. Amen. And we are careful what the word of God says. We're going to be judged for every idle word we have spoken. So we have to be careful with that. In Jesus name, I pray you will be and I bless you. And I thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.